Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Busy show today. Just had Craig McTavish on, new assistant coach of the St. Louis Blues. Elliot Friedman bringing up Claude Giroux on a day in which Pierre Lebrun had done so on the Athletic. John Shannon, our NHL insider. We're going to head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline and head to Montreal, Quebec. It is the uh, NHL... Uh, Amateur uh, scouting run as we get ready for the NHL draft, which will take place Thursday and Friday. And we welcome back to the show Director of Amateur Scouting for the Edmonton Oilers, Tyler Wright. Tyler, how you doing? Good, Bob. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for squeezing me in because now maybe you can educate our listeners here. Are, are you guys like literally interviewing? Uh, uh, I, I know you would have interviewed a bunch of the kids at the Combine, but do you do a second or third run of interviews at this stage uh, this week? Uh, yeah, we do. Um, you know, it's actually probably a little bit of a lengthier process than the majority of the people would know. Area guys, um, I really like them to interview these guys before our midterm meetings if they were going to be on their list. And then, uh, you know, once we have these midterm meetings and we decide that, uh, you know, whether or not they've been invited to the NHL Combine, we decide whether we're going to, you know, do secondary interviews. And then obviously once we get to the draft here in the preparation um, to lead up to the draft, we'll, we'll do a second and third um, interview process for, you know, you know, Ken Holland to sit in, who's probably not a part of the earlier, earlier ones with potential guys to, you know, be with our first pick. More than likely just our first pick. Okay. Uh, Tyler Wright joining us right now. Tell me this, Tyler. Like, I got a lot of time, uh, as, and we've d- discussed this privately. I have time for analytics and video, but here's what's tough about it. I think it's more applicable to pro than it is to amateur just because there's greater consistency in terms of some of the numbers you can get on the analytics side, even if you're using an outside agency to do so, not just relying on the NHL-provided information. And then, uh, you know, it's to me, it's... It, the, the same ability to resource is not there from an amateur perspective, perspective than it is for pro. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, I think you're naive if you don't use any tool and every tool possible, whether it, you know, it can, if it can help you make a decision in one way or the other, whether it's a good decision or a stay away decision, um, you know, definitely it, it's a tool that we, that we're trying to use. And, and, um, you know, I think the pandemic can, you know, kind of the grounding of a lot of the scouting for, you know, a better part of a year or so where we've had to come up and get a little creative with different scenarios and had a little bit more time on our hands to be able to, to look at those things. So absolutely. Do we, do we look at analytics? Do we look at video? Do we, Try to break it down um, into different areas of the game. We're, we're trying everything to, you know, every every rock we're trying to turn over to see if it can help us make the best educated decision we can. How deep is this year's draft, you think, Tyler? Well, it's a tough question, to be honest. Um, you know, I think the... You know, every draft is, I mean, there's going to be players in, you know, when we have the hindsight in five years of knowing what's going to happen. Um, I think just the hard part with this draft is, 
um, that nobody's really separated themselves to really be that good player. So, um, you know, where they are in this development process, have they been stalled in certain areas because of the lack of playing time or the development time because of pause of, you know, for whatever league that you were playing in, um, you know, I think there's a different, a bunch of different variables that come into play. But I think in three to five years from now, when, you know, these young men get drafted and they continue to develop with their respective teams, um, you may get the best player at one. You might get them at three. You might get them at 15. You might get them at 25. You might get them in the sixth round. I think that's kind of this draft. And I think you're going to get good value in this draft. We're joined right now by Director of Amateur Scouting and Player Personnel, Tyler Wright of the Edmonton Oilers, Bob Stoffer with you on uh, Oilers now. Uh, all right, so there's there's some 18-year-olds that are basically missing about, I don't know, a year to a year and a half. Would you Have you ever had any hesitation in drafting overage players? Uh, because now you're getting a little bit more time in terms of evaluating the player. And I, I know that I, I used to have this discussion actually with Danny Machocha uh, on CFL players and CJEP, players out of the Quebec, because they all play an extra four months of football compared to the kids in Ontario and the West. And he, he tended to draft a lot out of, uh, you know, out of the, the Quebec League. And I just, I, I just wonder, especially given the fact that you haven't had the opportunity maybe to have as many viewings or the player maybe hasn't had to mature in a traditional path with the amount of games played, would that create a scenario where maybe there might be more overagers taken in this year's draft? What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're open to, to anything, to, to be honest. Um, we're open to, you know, players – develop at different rate and at different time bodies mature physically um at different rate uh, mentally they mature at a different rate so if you have the luxury of of uh, being able to watch you know a young man kind of mature a little bit faster or a little bit better and then have the success um i've got no problem with that what whatsoever i, I mean don't really have an issue with passports and don't really have an have an issue with uh um, age, age for that matter. Right now, the organization only has four goaltenders under contract. If I'm counting right, uh, Mike Smith, Stuart Skinner, Ryan Fanti, and Olivier Rodrigue. Um, you, you didn't use a. I'm just trying to think of off the top of my head. Uh, last year, you did not draft a goalie. Would you have any hesitation? You don't. You've got the first round pick. I don't know if there's a goalie that's a first round caliber pick this year. Doesn't look to be the case. Um, any hesitation at all taking a swing in rounds five, six, or seven on a goaltender, Tyler? No, not at all. Not at all. I, I mean, obviously, it's you gotta you gotta draft and you gotta develop. Um, you know, so um, we're, we're trying to upgrade in every position possible. I think you know when you look at the big piece of. Uh, the pie with what we've done, we've we've kind of got a plethora of, of, of pro guys that have gotten a couple of years underneath their belt, and then we've kind of circled back and added the depth through through our forward. Where now we're starting to see, you know, guys like you know Holloway and and uh, you know Borgo is going to turn pro next year, and Savoy's turning pro next year. Like so we're starting to turn those guys pro. Um, we got to get that next wave of, of young men in, I think, both on the back end, up front, and in the goaltending situation. Um, you know, I think with Ryan Fanti, you know, that's a, 
you know, a college free agent that we signed that kind of fits that bill of being at 21, 22 years of age. And, uh, you know, with the development on how Skinner has taken the steps that we have, like, and with Rodrigue now, like we, we, we've got a couple of pieces there. Uh, we we got to start re- refilling the cupboards with, with goaltenders as well. All right, I'm going to throw a total curveball your way here. Did anything <laughs> happen that was significant? You were at the 1991 NHL draft, were you not? At the 91? Yeah, you were in that draft class. Were you at the draft yeah. that year? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Did anything significant happen at the start of that draft that year? Like, were you watching as much as a fan as Eric Lindros's name was announced and he didn't take a – did you take any of that? Like, how, how – you know, were you a hockey fan for that moment or were you focused on, all right, who's taking me and where am I going? Well, there was a lot of rumblings around that he wasn't going to go to Quebec, right? So everyone had kind of knew that. Um the Quebec Nordiques said that they were just going to still, they were going to take him. He wouldn't said he wouldn't put the Jersey. That all came to fruition. The funny part of that whole draft, Bob, and now I'm making fun of myself here a little bit is I went to the draft with my agent, uh, the late Don Baisley and a guy named Peter Forsberg. And at that time he was rated, rated kind of in the late rounds. And, you know, all we got at that time was like the hockey news. And, you know, I mean, the internet wasn't quite, you know, all these viewings. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm rated ahead of this guy. And we're sitting down at the draft and I can see the TSN. You can figure out kind of who's coming to you because TSN figures it out. And all of a sudden the red light comes on me and Peter are sitting there and I'm thinking, Oh my God, I might be going affiliate six. And I don't think I even had an interview with them. And Peter went at six and rightfully so it was the right pick. But at that time it was a little bit of a stretch. And, um, you know, I kind of found that to be a little bit more amusing than anything. And, you know, with hindsight, you see what, you know, how he went on and what his kind of career had, uh, you know, it was a great piece of, of work. And ironically, you know, being in the trade later on, you know, uh, for the Eric Lindros trade that kind of set the avalanche up, um, you know, through the late 90s. So that's really what I remember. I'm going to date myself, but Lindros played for Team Canada that year. And their exhibition games were in Saskatoon, and I was sent to do radio play-by-play of that at 25 years of age. And I remember uh, the media room was at ice level, and he came in to stretch without his shirt on. And I just come back, and Tyler, this is long before, you know, fat Bob, right, 240-pound Bob. (laughs) I just came back from tree planting, and I was tanned, and I was probably about 190 pounds at the time. I was in pretty good shape. And he looks at me and goes, you're not a media guy. And I'm like, you're not an 18-year-old guy. <laughs> like, he was just a freak. Like, I could not believe, you know, like, Dan Baker and myself, we thought we were in pretty good shape. <laughs> I remember looking at him going, wow, that guy. Yeah, he was, he was a specimen. He was a sure. specimen. Uh, speaking of interviews, how many times did Slots and Barry Fraser interview you uh, before the 91 draft when the Oilers took you 12th? Uh, it was a couple times. Um, I had a little bit of an inclination, I think. Um, didn't really know, but I kind of, you know, had my senses of kind of where I where I was going to go. And, and uh, obviously, you know, Edmonton took me at 12. And, um, I mean, that's, you know, it's a highlight of, of my life, obviously, and it's a proud moment. And uh, it's pretty special when, you know, you're on the other end of it now where, 
you know how much of a big deal it is for these players to go to the draft and when you're making the decisions you're helping these young men and these families you know realize their dreams and uh, go on to have good NHL career. So it's, it's a big day for the Oilers, and it's a big day for a lot of families. Tyler, it's a given that there's a lot of Oilers fans excited about Xavier Borgo and Dylan Holloway, and those were picks of yours. I want to talk about a pick not not with Edmonton and not with Detroit, but I uh, with Columbus, because there's a guy they got in the fourth round, uh, 120th overall. He's now with the Montreal Canadiens. And I was having this conversation with Scott Housen the other day, and he was the GM at the time. And if I'm not mistaken, was this just as you had become co-director of scouting or what transpired in Columbus and what was it about Anderson that you liked? Because he was a bit of a swing when you guys ended up taking him with the Blue Jackets. Yeah, it it was, you know... um, you know the philosophy a little bit when we were we were drafting in in Columbus's. You know we were in a division with Detroit, and um, we obviously we had to beat them through skill. We didn't have enough skill, and when you don't have enough skill, you got to be able to try to beat them a little bit with physical play. And um, that year, um, you know we had a guy high on our list, and we almost took him in the third. And we didn't. Uh, we ended up taking a goalie. It was actually Corpusalo, I believe. Yep. And then uh, we got into in the fourth, and I wanted to take him, and there were some discussions. And, you know, just like any good draft day squabble at the draft table, and um, we ended up with him. So, you know, at the end of the day, did I think he was going to be a 30-goal guy? I, you know I mean? I'm going to be real honest with you. We liked the fact that he played in London. He was on a... You know, on a good team, they went into the Memorial Cup. I even won it that year, for that matter. Um, didn't play a ton, but you know, he's six foot three, could really skate. He was highly competitive, um, and that was kind of the target. And he's, you know, had a pretty good career, so it's uh, it worked out uh, for him, and obviously, it worked out for for us with the pick. And Tyler, as you know, at that time, uh, I used to have a lot of conversations with Scott, and uh, he called me later in the afternoon. The draft was in Pittsburgh that year. That was the year the Oilers won the lottery and, and won the lottery in a year where a lot of the top four picks did Well, none of them really panned out. I mean, you guys got Murray second. Uh, I mean, he's a good, solid pro. Yakupov went first. The Oilers, um, Galchenyuk went third, and Reinhardt went fourth. But Scott called me to tell me you won't believe what happened. And I just got offered all of the Islanders' picks if I flipped two spots. Were you prepared to have drafted eight more extra guys of all those extra draft? Like, <laughs> did he tell, like? Did that actually? Did that conversation occur on the draft floor with you guys in two thousand? I would have. I would have loved to have been a fly in the wall for that. Well, it was kind of, you know, indirect conversations as far as where we were at. Um, yeah, I mean, 100%, you would have been prepared for it. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know how many of those picks you could have actually have signed. So I think you would have had to have been gotten a little bit creative and maybe tried to, you know, flip some of the picks out for, you know, years coming on, you know, maybe – you know, in the following year's picks and, you know, you trade a third for maybe a high second or, or whatever it was. And so I think that would have been the, the little bit of the chaotic part. But at the end of the day, it, it didn't happen. But, uh, you know, it was definitely floated around. 
All right. Well, hey, Tyler, look, thanks for uh, taking us down a, a bit on your own personal uh, uh, memory uh, lane involving uh, going with Forsberg and thinking you might go higher than Forsberg at one point. Uh, <laughs> hey, best of luck in Montreal. And the, and the best part for you is I'm not there. I've been there the last 11 years, so I'm not going to be bugging you on a uh, text you on the floor saying, hey, take this guy. I wouldn't do something like that. Well, maybe once for Brendan Gallagher back in 2010. They weren't listening. Uh, thanks a lot, Tyler. Okay, thanks, Bob. Take care. That is Tyler Wright. He is the Oilers' uh, director of player personnel and amateur scouting. So, yeah, so just so you listeners are aware, what happened at the 2012 draft is uh, the Oilers obviously won the lottery. And, uh, you know, a lot of cont- uh, discussion around who uh, Craig Matavich had just come back in the organization. Uh, Steve Tamalini was the general manager, and there was the Oilers win the lottery, and the discussion was, you take Yakupov, who was the consensus number one. Like, we used to have Craig Button on the show every week, every Friday in Oilers now. He was all over Yakupov in that year's draft year. And there was a lot of debate as to who the best defenseman was. Murray was seen as a safe pick at two. Reinhardt, uh, you know, some people, I mean... Two years later, in 2014, Button was suggesting the Oilers trade the third overall pick in 2014 for Griffin Reinhardt. Um, I, I mean, he did it right on our show. It was it was a really interesting scenario. But the bottom line is, nobody could decide who was the best defenseman from that draft year. Yakupov was the consensus best uh, player. He went number one. And Columbus got a call from the New York Islanders and said the Islanders offered every pick in the draft to flip two spots. They didn't do it. Uh, And by the way, Griffin Reinhart was never interviewed by the New York Islanders before they took him fourth that year as well. We'll come back with this day in Oilers history. It's 150 in Edmonton on Oilers now. Brendan, who's who's singing that song? I I don't know that song. This is Estelle, actually featuring Kanye West. Oh, okay, that would explain it. Uh, Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years for a menu and a list of their 15 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The stopper recommendation at Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean chicken. To this day in Oilers history, here's Brendan Escott. We go back to 2006 when the Oilers signed Marty Reisner to a two-year contract extension coming off of a career-high 34-point season in which he was traded to Boston for Sergei Samsonov. He played two more years in Edmonton and then signed in Atlanta as a free agent. Uh, (laughs) This text comes in. Bob, back in the day, you were in shape. Today, you have lots of shape like the rest of us. My wife keeps telling us, says this texter, to get in a shape, and I tell her that round is a shape. You know, I don't know if I can sell that in the old Stauffer uh, household these days. Uh, anyhow, yes, Marty Reesmer is one of Craig McTavish's favorite players. Reed Wilkins has inside sports tonight. What's he got shaking, Brendan? Uh, it looks like a fluid show at this point. There you go. All right, special thanks to uh, former Oilers general manager and head coach, now St. Louis assistant coach, Craig McTavish, love a sense of humor. Uh, Elliot Freeman from NHL Hockey and Rogers, our NHL insider, John Shannon, Oilers Director of Amateur Scouting and Player Personnel, Tyler Wright. Tomorrow, a full hour of sports and smart spectrum for the horses and horse racing Alberta, presenting live thoroughbred racing Friday and Saturday at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino. Parking and admission are free. For more information, visit thehorses.com. And Puckpedia's Hart Levine is going to make an appearance on tomorrow's show, which is fluid 
as well. We're working on one other guest. Uh, stay tuned on that front. Up next, global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Rob Rakenridge from 2 to 3, and then the 6.30 Chad afternoons today with guest host Ted Henley. Back at you noon tomorrow. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.